Thanks, Lee. Uh, you'll get to talk to her more after the service, along with some other folks that have been out on mission, uh, most of them short-termers, but uh, they're going to be down in the cafe after this service, and you can kind of rotate around and talk and, and pray with them. But partly why we want, want you to hear from folks like Lee is because she sat right where you sit. Right? She, she was here as a college student. She was growing in her faith. And out of that context, God called her and continues to call her uh, to some places that desperately need the gospel. So thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part uh, of today. Um, so let's take a look at Scripture for a, a, just a, a bit. We're going to try to make this shorter than usual. Um, we, we're going to look at uh, Psalm 67. So you can take open up. Op- Open up the Bibles there under your chair or um, open up on your phone, but we're, we're talking about mission today, right? And this is where we get the word missionary, right? And so uh, this mission that, that God has put His church on to take the gospel to places who have not yet heard the gospel, right? And, and the people that are sent out to go to those places are missionaries, uh, although all Christians at some level are missionaries, right? All of us should have a sense of being sent, that we've been sent out uh, to bring the gospel, to demonstrate it, to proclaim it uh, to those who've, who've not yet uh, heard of it. But why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why would we go out on mission? Why would Lee, in January, go back to Lebanon and spend time with the people there, far, far away from her family, from her home church, from people that uh, she's grown up with. Why do that? And there's, there's a lot of reasons, all right? There's multiple reasons, but we're going to look at what I would say the, the Bible teaches us is the ultimate reason, right? the, the, the primary reason for missions. And I think that's contained in in Psalm 67. This is contained many, many places in the Bible, but I think Psalm 67 is one of those places. Now, Psalms are interesting, right? Psalms are sort of the hymn book of the Old Testament people of God. They sang these, they said these, they used them in their corporate worship, especially when they would go back to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. Uh, They used it in their private worship uh, of times of prayer and reflection. I think we should do that too, right? This, this is a, a very important book of Scripture, especially uh, for worship uh, as, as a corporate body and, and personally. And so uh, Psalm 67.1 opens up this way, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Selah. Now, what this psalm is, is, is a prayer, right? This is it's crying out to God. It's a prayer from the people of God, and in this verse, they're asking for blessings for the people of God, right? So first prayer request in in the prayer, that God would give them really, 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 really good free stuff that would bless them, right? That's what grace is, right? It's free stuff. It's saying, be gracious to us, Lord. Bless us, and uses this illustration of of a shining face, that God's face would be a shining face, right? uh, we might think he, he's smiling on us. Uh, we love shining faces, right? This is how we love to be welcomed, right? Someone smiling at us, who's warm toward us. Uh, I often joke about 
customer service or the lack thereof in New England, oftentimes uh, I don't get a shining face right, when I walk into a store or something. It's, uh, it's not, not so much of a, a part of the culture here. And, but here they're not just asking for good customer service. They're asking for God's face right, to be shining toward them. And then the, there's this little Hebrew word, this, this selah, which... Uh, is a prompt, it's a worship prompt to stop and reflect and to meditate on whatever has been said in the psalm. And what would be our meditations? If we, if we were to look at that scripture and then meditate on that, what are the implications? Well, God's a God who is relational, right? He's, he can be approached, He can be asked for blessing, He is generous to those who ask for His blessing, and He gives that blessing uh, to the undeserving. And we know as, as Christians, God's shining face comes ultimately through Christ. Right? We, we read in places like 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, right? where we see His face shining toward us. This relational, approachable, generous God is in Jesus, and not just the person of Jesus, but the work of Jesus, right? That, that, that Christ has died for our sins, and instead of getting a face from God that is a wrathful face, we get a shining face because of what Christ has done on our behalf to forgive our sins. But again, why, why, you know, why does He do this? Why, why is He going to bless His people? Look at the next verse that your ways may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. So here the, the people of God are asking for blessing, and then they're, they're asking for that blessing so that God's way and His saving work would be known, not just to Israel, right, the people of God, but to the nations, all the nations. Now think about what he's asking, that what the prayer is asking that they know, like his, his way and his law. And we might say, oh, he wants them to see the way or the law and be good people, right? Follow his rules. But then the next thing is that the, he, they want them to see his saving power. And so what's being, being prayed there is that they would see how holy God is, his way, his law, and then cry out for saving, knowing that as sinners they'll never be able to follow that way or that law to the point of being holy themselves outside of God's grace, right? This is the message of salvation throughout Old and New Testament. There's a bad news and there's a good news. There's bad news that we don't measure up to His way, to His law, and there's good news that His arm is strong to save. And here, Israel is praying not just for their own salvation, but for the salvation of the nations, but why is he saving them? Why is he saving them? Again, a lot of reasons, right? He loves them. Yes, he loves them. Doesn't want them to go to hell? Absolutely. But what's, what's ultimate? Here's what's ultimate in verse 3 and 4, right? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. God is desiring that peoples from all nations would worship Him. 
right? We've been talking about this. The, the last week we talked about uh, worship in terms of seeing and savoring God, right? We, 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 he's wanting that all nations would see who He is, truly who He is, right? And that they would ascribe worth to that, right? They would savor that. And, and when you see something and you savor it, you praise it. It's like a positive feedback loop, which makes you see it and savor it all the, all the more. And so this is what's being described here, this prayer. Let the peoples praise you, O God. These, these peoples that have been saved by your right hand. You got any Red Sox fans here? Just a few, just a few. Not, not everybody. It's okay. Now, when you saw that win, right, did you ascribe worth to that win? Of course you did, if you're, if you're, if you're a fan, right? And you, so you're savoring it. You're ascribing worth to it. And so when you saw that and you savored that, you did some things. Right? You screamed at the television. Right? <laughs> you, you jumped up and down. You texted your friend. You posted something on social media. You bought a commemorative T-shirt that's overpriced. Right? <laughs> you then watched ESPN and watched other people praise the Red Sox. which caused you to then praise them even more. And there's just like this ongoing positive feedback loop all week. You even had a a parade. Anybody go to the parade? Anybody go to the parade? Do we really have fans here? (laughs) I don't don't know. For some of you, and maybe you've experienced that, if if you've dated someone or you're married to someone and you praise them, right, for their character, for their beauty, for how handsome they are, and, and it's a feedback loop, right? And so we, we see that this saving of the nations for the purpose of making much of God, praising God, and that that would be true among all the nations. And notice that it's not, it's, it's not a duty, right? right? It's, it's out of gladness and joy that these nations have, have been rescued through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they experience that, they can't help but praise the one who saved them. Right? And so God is on this mission to save people from the nations and to create for himself a people for himself from those nations who worship him. They worship him. Now, what are we talking about when we say nations? Like most of us, we think about a nation state like Germany or Zimbabwe, right? It's not, that didn't really exist in the ancient world. So what they're talking about is an ethno-linguistic group, right? There's a culture that's common among the group, a language that's common among the group, like a Hittite or a Philistine, right? Those were nations, and they had some particular, you know, geographical location that they had control over, but, but it was not like we think of. We look at our maps and we're like, oh, look, there's the boundary of, you know, Zimbabwe. It, that, that's, that's not how it, it worked in the ancient world. It, w- it was an ethno-linguistic group. And so I, even now, I, w- I would say God is after those kinds of nations, right? those kinds of people group to reach them for the purpose of seeing them worship Him. John Piper writes this in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Right? That there are people groups who do not have a gospel witness such that they could become 
Christians and become worshipers of the one true God. Is that the only reason? No. No. It, is it because of the love of the people? Absolutely. We love the people. We want to see them rescued. We want to see them reached. But ultimately, what it is, is the worship of the one true God. This is what God is after. This is what he's been after since, since Abraham. Right? He's promising Abraham. He's like, I'm going to build a nation out of your family, and all the nations are going to be blessed. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed. This, is, this has been the trajectory he's been on from that point forward. And he's doing it. I mean, love the story of like the four translations, right, of the testimony. Like God is working through missionaries and local churches throughout the globe uh, to reach people from the people groups of the world. And at the end of the psalm, you see the blessing of the people of God and the reaching of the people of, to the ends of the earth woven together, right? Verse 5 let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So you see in the prayer, God, bless us, bless us, bless us. Why? Because we want to take your name to the ends of the earth. I don't think a lot of us, especially American Christians, are thinking like that, right? Bless us, bless us, bless us, because I want to have a nice life. That's not biblical, right? Bless us, bless us, bless us, bless us, because I want to bear your glory, right, to my neighbor and to the ends of the earth. That, that's, that's a godly prayer. That's a, a biblical prayer, and, and Psalm 67 models that for us. And, and so you may be thinking, well, what kind of blessings do I have? Do I have any blessings that would be leveraged by God to get the uh, gospel to the nations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's four. I'll give you four blessings that you have that God wants to leverage to get the gospel to the nations. Number one, the gospel. The gospel. This is the greatest treasure you have. Right? Paul writes this to the Ephesians of this gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul's like, I got this gift. I got this gospel. It's by grace. And now I get to preach that to the Gentiles. And that, for him, that was everyone outside of Israel. right? And at that point, none of them knew. None of them knew about Jesus. And so he's like, I have this unsearchable treasure. And I want to preach that to those that do not yet know Christ. And unlike other commodities, the gospel has no limits. The more you share it, the more of it you have. Right? The, the more you see people uh, coming to Christ and, and worshiping him, the, the more you treasure more deeply, the, the unsearchable riches of Christ. You can hear that in, in just what Lee has experienced so far in just a couple of years on the field. And just treasuring more deeply the riches of Christ because she shared those riches with those who are without the gospel. We ourselves in New England here, we are in an unreached people group. I mean, statistically, so unreached people group, 
overall, I mean, this is a, this is a, a man-made kind of a, 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 um, a metric, but it, it makes sense is that there, there's less than 2% people who are gospel believers. That, that's what an unreached people group. We're right at that here. We're right at 2% in our valley, right? And so we ourselves are, we're in a, a, an unreached region. And this is, this is why we came here almost 20 years ago to start this church. It's because we knew that there, there was some gospel witness, but there wasn't a lot. And we wanted to come and, and bring a gospel witness, and one that would especially reach the five colleges, because we also knew that the gospel preaching churches, at that time at least, did not have hardly any students in them. And the, the people that are 18 to 25 are the people that make up most of the population, so we're kind of scratching our heads. The churches don't have anyone 18 to 25, and that's the greatest part of the population. Something's wrong, right? Now, thankfully, by God's grace, over the last 19 years, we've seen those, a lot of those churches reinvigorated, we've seen more students become a part of those, and we've seen campus ministry blow up amazingly. And it's been a sweet, sweet movement of God's Spirit. But, but it's just a start. It's just a, a beginning. There's so many in our region who have yet to even understood the gospel, uh, much less received it by faith. So you have the gospel. Number two, you have the ability to pray. If you're a Christian... You can pray, right? You got this. You got the gospel. You got, got, got the ability to pray. Colossians 4, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, at the, time, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on which of, uh, account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. We used that prayer when we were planting this church. We just pray. Those, those two verses, God, open a door. God, when we get an opportunity, may we proclaim it as we should. And if you want to know what to pray for a missionary, that'd be a good start right there. Colossians 4, just go right there and pray that prayer for them. And so P Paul, the apostle, who's, who's on the frontier, right, like, he, like he's the, planting the gospel where it hasn't been heard yet. He's asking the church at, at Colossae, pray this for me, right? So you've, you've got the gospel and you've got prayer. So what can you be praying for? Well, you can be praying for the mission here, for starters. Praying for your pastor, praying for your staff, praying for the mission that this church is on to make more and more mature uh, disciples. There's a significant mission that's going on here. Pray for those that you know who are on mission other places. Now, you know Lee. You can pray for her. She'd be glad to send you an email update. I get them. They're awesome. And they're encouraging. You see God at work in those places, right? And you can, you can pray for her and pray for others, perhaps. Maybe some of you know Patrick Dibble. Since he was a UMass student, he's now serving in the Middle East in a city that I cannot name, but he's there and he's on the ground and you can, you can pray for him. You can reach out to him. I'm sure he has some kind of update that he also uh, could send you. You could pray for my daughter, Kayla. She's in Glasgow, Scotland. And she's there working with a little church in Glasgow and, and sharing the gospel with people there and helping this little church to get on the ground and get, get started. Uh, I think we all should be praying for those that are considered unreached. And, and again, this, this less than 2%. And for some of these groups, it's 0%. It's zero. Uh, one uh, helpful 
app that I think everyone should have this. If you're a Christian, you should have this on your phone. I'm serious. Right? The Joshua Project. Every day, it sends you an unreached people. And it's, it says, here's some details. Uh, today, it's the Jat people in Pakistan. There, it, it says there's 33 million of them. And there's little or no gospel witness. Right? And, and you, you can read a little bit about them. And so every day, I get a little notification on my phone. And I, I pray for that group. Right? And there's just certain ones of them that you just kind of, they start to rattle around in your head. And you start praying for them more. And so you can do that. You can do that. Uh, except for you, there's a couple of flip phone people in here. That might be hard. But uh, <laughs> repent, get a smartphone, and uh, you'll be fine. Now, one of the things that is discouraging when we look at the mission force right now is that only about 3% of missionaries, cross-cultural missionaries, are, are working with unreached people groups. 3%. And you think, God, is your math just off? Like, what? No. <laughs> Obviously, some people are being called to go, and they're not going because it's hard, and it's dangerous, and it's expensive. And, and so just praying, God, that, that you would send out workers. Send workers, Lord. These, these folks do not know the gospel. Send workers to those places. There are total, and this is from Joshua Project, about 17,000 people groups, and about 7,000 of those are unreached, would be considered unreached. And then they have what they call unengaged, which is there's really no gospel presence there, and that's a whole, whole other category. But, but as Christians, lifting up these people groups, asking God to send workers into the harvest field to bring them the gospel. Right now, a million people are dying in China every month, most of which don't know Jesus. So it's, it's, it's serious, it's sober, um, but we have opportunities now that we have not had before. Right? We, have, we have travel, uh, ease of travel, we, we have access to information so we can pray. There, there's so many things right now technologically that are setting the stage for this generation to finish this task. And I'm not joking. We, we have the resources. We, the, God has, has set us up. It's interesting in the, in the, in the New Testament when um, Paul and others are, are starting the church, they had the Roman road system. And that helped them get the gospel out. And now we have the internet. <laughs> And we have travel on airplanes that, relatively speaking, is pretty cheap. And we can go short-term, medium-term, long-term in some ways that brings the gospel to places that have not yet heard. Number three, we have the ability to give financially. We have the ability to give financially. Uh, the book of Philippians is a thank-you note from Paul to the Philippian church for giving him money for missions. That's one of the ways to think about Philippians. Listen to how he, he finishes up his, uh, his letter in, in Philippians 4, verse 18. I've received full payment and more, and I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so he's thanking them. Thank you for supporting. We wouldn't have Apostle Paul planting churches if there wasn't the church of Philippi sending him money. Nothing's changed. right? Missions takes money. And so those, those being sent out have to be prayed for. They have to be funded. And so we have the opportunity to give money. Now, 10% of what you give on Sunday morning, we give it away. Which is kind of crazy because we also have to raise a whole bunch of support to support this ministry from people that are willing to give generously. But we feel like this is part of what it means to be church, right? To, to be faithful to God in the mission is to, is to give, right? To be generous. And so 10% of everything that comes in on Sunday mornings goes out. And here's where it goes. It goes to some places. One, it goes to the denomination we're affiliated with, the Southern Baptist Convention. They have an arm that is an international missions arm called the International Mission Board. And they have the North American Mission Board that's also part of uh, ministry in the United States and Canada. Right? And so sending out missionaries, sending out church planters all over the globe. Uh, about $7,200 over the course of the year goes to different campus ministries. Uh, it's not that much, but for us, it's a lot, right? Like this is, this is something that, that, that stretches us. It's a faith step to give uh, money away for campus ministries. We're helping church plant, so a percentage of that, we sack it away for church planting. We wait, we look and see if God opens up a door for us to help. We've helped, the last couple of times we've helped some folks, Josh Chambers at Pleasant Street Baptist Church in Worcester, right by Becker College. Uh, we gave them a $5,000 grant to help them get some college ministry started at Becker. And I uh, just saw Josh, and that, that's actually happening. Uh, the Haven Church, Timothy Robinson, gave him 5000 bucks too. He's right next to Fitchburg State. And so his, his church is, has been planted. He's trying to reach students, and that money was given uh, to help him do that. So that kind of stuff comes out of that, that 10%. Uh, there's also lots of opportunities to give over and above, right, the, the offerings that you give here. And so a lot of you have helped folks go to the Dominican Republic. We've gone like seven times, I think, uh, some big groups, some small groups, but, but sometimes when you can't go, you give and you help people that can go. Uh, and so today, in fact, we're taking names for those that are interested in going to Las Malvinas in the, the Dominican Republic to serve there over winter break. And so for some, you're like, yeah, I'm going. Others, yeah, I'm writing a check and I want to help those who are going uh, to go. Um, there's an opportunity to, to, to give to a special offering in our denomination. Every Christmas, they take a special offering that goes all to worldwide missions. Number four, you have the ability to go. I, I started going down this road already, and I couldn't help myself, right? You can go. You can go. You can go. Some of you, short term, right? I, I think, honestly, everyone should go short, short term. You should go somewhere else. Should be a part of a mission trip, some kind of a going and seeing the gospel somewhere else, seeing the church somewhere else in another language, another culture. Uh, it, it's 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 very powerful in in your formation. It can also be used of God in those places as you go on those trips. Again, Dominican Republic trip would be one that you could go on, and you can sign up to find out more information. Campus ministry folks, you know, there's a lot of opportunities within your campus ministry. We're going to hear from. Many of them, uh, after this service, are going to be down in the cafe to tell us about 
some of those trips. Some of you are called to be a, what I'd call a vocational uh, missionary. Your full-time calling is to pack it up and go somewhere and plant the gospel. And so you need to be asking that. I think every Christian should be asking that. God, is that me? Is that me, God? Is that what you want? And put that on the table. Put, put your yes on the table. And say, if you, if you call me to Lebanon, I'll go. If you call me to Yemen, I'll go. If you call me to Afghanistan, I'll go. Put the yes on the table. You, when, when you said, Jesus, you're my Lord, right? You, that's, that's what you say, right? Whatever you tell me to do, right? That's what Lord means. You put that on the table. Say, God, reveal to me, right? When, when Lee was sitting here as a Smith student, she, she wasn't thinking, I'm going to Lebanon, right? Now, she had a heart for missions, and she was open to it. But, but, but God revealed that to her and continues to reveal that to her. This going emulates the gospel because Jesus was sent, right? He says to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Right? We're emulating what Jesus did to come down from heaven, become a human being, and die in our place. Like, like he was sent on a mission. And he said, yes. Aren't you glad he said yes? Aren't you glad he didn't say, oh, Father, I, I, I don't want to go down there. Those people are icky. They're sinners. I'm holy. I mean, come on. No, he didn't do that. He went. He went. He went where he was sent, and, and glory came out of it, right? Glory for God. Worship for God. And good came out of it, where human beings were, were saved from an absolute hopeless situation, the effects of, of sin, right? And so for some of you, you haven't taken that step yet, right? We're talking about mission and going to the nations. You're like, what are these people talking about, right? You are the mission in the room, okay? Just being honest. And Christ is reaching to you and saying, I want to save you. I want to rescue you this morning. And so that may be your first step is receiving forgiveness through what Christ has done on the cross, and then responding with absolute unconditional surrender to Him as Lord. And if you're a Christian, then that's where you're at. You're absolute unconditional surrender to Christ as Lord. Right? And that doesn't mean everyone needs to pack it up and go. Not, absolutely not. Some people are senders. Some people are goers. Right? And so if, if we're the, the sender, then we're praying and we're giving and we're doing whatever we can to help the goers to go and to finish the task. Right? Again, why do we do this? We do this because God desires that all nations would worship Him, right? ascribe worth to Him. Uh, we read in Revelation 7, right? Everything's finished up. Jesus has returned. Jesus restored everything. Uh, and this is the little glimpse of what we see at, at the end of days. Revelation 7, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. 
Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This, this is the end goal of missions. Is that the Jat people of Pakistan are right there worshiping the Lamb. Right? That, that, that's the goal. And for that to happen, that means folks are going to have to be sent with the gospel to go and tell them. It's a Christian group in the 1700s known as the Moravians. And they loved prayer and they loved missions. They had a prayer meeting that was 100 years long. Now, it wasn't the same people, okay? But it was an ongoing, continual prayer for 100 years. And, and part of what came out of that was a heart for the nations. So they started sending people out from Germany, putting them on the boat. And, and oftentimes, these, these missionaries would pack their things in the coffin that they knew they'd be buried in. They weren't coming back. They couldn't text. Right? No FaceTime. They hugged their families, and they got on the boat, and they went to go give the gospel to the nations. And this is what they would say when they would, get, when they would leave. They would say, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And the reward of his suffering is the worship of the nations. Right? So this was what was in their heart and on their lips, is that God would receive the reward that he deserves for the salvation that he's given to the earth. And that is absolute worship of him from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Amen? Let's pray. God, help this, this to sink down in our hearts. Lord, I, it's so easy to just to have like a mission Sunday and we're inspired and we start to think about a few things and then go about our day and go right back to our old ruts. God, I pray that that would not happen. God, help, help me, help our congregation, Lord, to, to get a, a, a clearer vision of our, port, our part in the mission story what it is you're doing, God, and how you are sending. Thank you for these that have been sent out, even, even short-termers uh, over the summer. Thank you for Lee. Thank you for Patrick Dibble. Thank you for Kayla. Thank you for others, Lord, that have been sent out from this place who are serving around the world. May that happen even more, Lord. Reveal to those that are here uh, the vision that you have uh, for their lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.